Welcome to your go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it. Gaming. Wait for it. Anime. Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wait For It Podcast and a brand new episode of Netflix and Phil. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. For those of you that have been listening to us for a while, welcome back. And for all of you new listeners, welcome to the Wait For It Podcast and welcome to Netflix and Phil. In this series, I bring to you different shows across different streaming sites that I believe are well worth your time. So if you're looking for some more shows to binge watch here while we are still at least at the tail end of lockdown, make sure you go back and listen to any previous episodes of Netflix and Phil. Again, everyone, thank you so much for joining us and for supporting the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. The month of April is jam-packed with content as each and every month has been so far this year. You know, with all those projects and films and everything that was pushed back into 2021, those are all kind of coming up all at once. And, you know, Eric and I are going to be here to cover all of it. If you are a first-time listener and enjoy this episode, stick around to the very, very end and I'll let you know where to find all the rest of our content along with our social media pages. But with all that out of the way, folks, let's get into this week's episode and this week's show, I should say, which is called Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. You can find it on Apple TV. Here is a synopsis of the show. The series follows a video game studio that produces Mythic Quest, a popular MMORPG run by game creator Ian Grimm. This game is basically World of Warcraft, so think of it as this game studio is essentially Blizzard. At the start of the series, the studio is about to release a major expansion to the game titled Raven's Banquet. The game's creative director is Ian Grimm, who argues with lead engineer Poppy Lee, head of monetization Brad Bakshi, and head writer C.W. Longbottom. Now, of course, workplace comedies are certainly not a new concept. Some of my favorite shows of all time are workplace comedies. You know, Scrubs, Parks and Rec, The Office, Superstore. By the way, Superstore just had its series finale and it absolutely ruined me. It's a 10 out of 10. If you guys haven't checked out Superstore yet, I covered it in a previous episode of Netflix and Phil. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that it's very difficult to separate yourself, especially in comedy. Shows have a very small window to set themselves apart, so naturally, a premise like Mythic Quest definitely caught my eye. I also do have to give a shout-out to Caleb from Level Playing Field Gaming, who told me about the show, so shout-out to Caleb. Thanks a lot, buddy. He actually joined me on an episode of The Game Room Where It Happens, where he and our friend Anne talked about Uncharted. So let's start with the minds behind Mythic Quest. The writers are literally a who's who of comedic talent. There's Rob McElhaney, who plays Mac in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Megan Gans, who is also a writer on It's Always Sunny, but also worked on Community and Modern Family. And then, of course, Charlie Day, who is also from It's Always Sunny and is a comedic legend in his own right. Right then and there is where I got an immediate understanding of the show's comedic identity. I can't even imagine being a fly on the wall in that writer's room. Like, Could you imagine? Community, of course, is one of my favorite shows of all time. And there's a lot of similar comedic tones throughout the entirety of Mythic Quest if you're a fan of Community. I also learned in my research that Ubisoft assisted with the development of this series. Ubisoft, of course, developing such games as Assassin's Creed, the Watch Dogs series, Far Cry games like that. 
McElhaney said the concept of the show resulted from a discussion Ubisoft had with him about producing a television show around video games. McElhaney had been invited to Ubisoft Montreal to discuss the project, and though he was initially hesitant as he toured the studio, he saw the potential vision for the show. Since then, Ubisoft has assisted in designing the video game characters and the game world, as well as providing other art assets for the show. Ubisoft also helped the writers with the details of the video game development to stay authentic to industry approaches. So right then and there, obviously, you know, this is a show that's going to appeal to the listeners of this podcast, I believe. Now, of course, great writers have to be accompanied by a great cast. And Mythic Quest cast has a really rare chemistry, honestly, that I've only seen a few times on screen. Rob McElhinney not only writes, but also plays Ian Grimm. He is the charismatic, egotistical, but also incredibly insecure genius behind Mythic Quest. Ian is an incredibly frustrating character because he is clearly out of his fucking mind. But at the same time, he is also incredibly brilliant when it comes to making Mythic Quest a success. Now, there's also David Hornsby, who also plays the role of David Brittlesby. David's the executive producer of the game, and he's like a complete opposite of Ian. He lacks any type of self-confidence whatsoever. It's an office full of like huge personalities, and David is in kind of like a constant struggle to establish himself as an authority figure. And he usually fails at it, which often results in really hilarious outcomes. Danny Pudi is in this, who, of course, is known for Abed in Community. Plays a totally different character here in Brad Bakshi. Brad doesn't give a shit about video games and is only interested in maximizing the value of Mythic Quest as the game's head of monetization. It's really great to see Danny show off his range in this role because Brad is truly a piece of shit. Not only does he find value in, you know, monetization of the game, but he also finds value in being able to control people and bend to his whim. Ashley Birch and Imani Hakim play the duo of Rachel and Dana, respectively. They are two game testers for Mythic Quest who are responsible for finding any bugs and glitches in the game. They're given, like, essentially their own side story, which is so much fun to follow along. They have a really, really charming and likable chemistry that has you rooting for them literally from the start. I also have to bring up Joe, who is played by Jesse Ennis. Joe is technically David's assistant, but spends most of the show worshipping Ian and making sure he gets everything he wants and desires. I'm actually going to rip a description of Joe directly from the Mythic Quest wiki that sums her up perfectly. Joe is determined to be the perfect sidekick. She jumps full bore into action like a valiant warrior. (laughs) And that's definitely an accurate description of her. She is responsible for some of the show's best one-liners. Now, all these characters are absolutely outstanding, but I had to save my personal favorite for last, and that's the character of Poppy Lee. Portrayed by Filipino-Australian actress Charlotte Nickdow, Poppy is the lead engineer of Mythic Quest. Basically, she brings Ian's ideas to life. She is equally ego-driven, but expresses it in different ways. Poppy exudes charisma in the show, and I honestly think that she's the heart and soul of it. Of course, I'm probably a little biased because she's a Filipino actress, but as someone who really didn't grow up with any representation at all i don't really give a shit (laughs) it's it's awesome to see a confident but also incredibly flawed filipino character being fully fleshed out in mainstream media i watched an interview that charlotte did at the red carpet premiere of mythic quest where she said she wasn't a gamer before getting the role but upon being cast she purchased a nintendo switch and spent hours playing zelda and stardew valley she also said that she's watched every episode of friends at least quote a hundred times a woman after my own heart, man, I tell you. Uh, there is so much diversity in this cast. It's insane. There are even more characters I haven't mentioned. Elisha Hennig deserves a special shout out. He plays a streamer named Pootie Shoe, who is just like the perfect parody 
of modern day Twitch and YouTube streamers. You know, anybody that's familiar with that culture is is really going to love this character. So I do want to talk about a couple of episodes of Mythic Quest specifically, but really quick, I want to give a special shout out to today's affiliate, Buzzsprout. So since I started podcasting, a lot of people have been coming up to me and asking, is podcasting hard? Is it difficult to get into? Well, not when you have the right partners. The team over at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. We use Buzzsprout here at the Wait For Podcast, and we absolutely love it. We tried out a few other podcast hosting websites, and honestly, none of them even held a candle to Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and a whole lot more. You can basically start with any gear that you already have, along with a quiet space. If you want to upgrade, Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. So join us here at the Wait For a Podcast, along with 100,000 other podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Following the link in the show notes, lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and of course, it helps support the show. So as I mentioned, it kind of goes without saying that this show is basically a must-watch for gamers. Uh, But there's plenty here, even if you aren't a gamer. Each episode is special in its own right, but there are two episodes I wanted to highlight specifically. Episode 5 is called A Dark Quiet Death. I'm not going to spoil anything here, but for a moment, I thought I accidentally started a different show. The runtime of this episode is 35 minutes, but honestly, I felt like I had just watched an entire movie. The writers deliver a truly heartfelt and heartbreaking story about falling in and out of love, corporate greed, and even sacrificing your creative vision all in a little over a half an hour. It was insane. I actually went back and watched it again right after it finished. It's truly special. And if you read the reviews on IMDb, a lot of people felt the exact same way. The other episode I wanted to highlight is actually a special episode that came out last year after the season one finale, and it's simply titled Quarantine. This episode was actually the first of its kind, and it released right at the beginning of lockdown last year. It was written, filmed, and edited in three weeks. A Collider article referred to it as, quote, TV's first coronavirus-era masterpiece. I'm actually just going to read from the Vulture article from Jackson McHenry here because the story of how this was done is absolutely wild. And remember, this was back in April slash May of 2020. Now, in this article, they're talking with Rob about how this episode was done. If you're making a show for Apple TV, there is an added benefit of getting all the Apple tech you want. On a conference call with, quote, the people in Cupertino, McElhaney said, he suggested that each member of the cast would need three iPhones each to film their scenes. They'd shoot with one phone, then sterilize it and put it in a secure area outside their apartment or home, where it'd be picked up by a courier, brought to an editor, sterilized again, uploaded to Avid editing software, and then sent back to the actor. By cycling through cameras continuously while also editing the episode together, the work could be done much faster, I said. If it's possible to get 40 iPhones and 20 sets of AirPods, could you have them to us by the end of the week? McElhaney said. There was a rep on the phone and she said she'd already tracked them down and would have them sent to my house by 5 o'clock. Once they had the hardware on hand, the Mythic Quest team had the actors install prosumer-grade filming apps on their phones, including Filmic Pro and Motive, and sent them all external Shuri mics, which if, if you are a fellow podcaster, Shuri, mwah, chef, chef's kiss, great mic. <laughs> they consulted remotely with the actors over FaceTime or Zoom to location scout within their own houses. Rob said, quote, we would walk around the house and figure out where's the best place to set the cameras, where's the best place for sound, and what's the best time of day, because we're using natural light. 
That's just an excerpt from this article. I'm going to link the entire article in the show notes because the links they want in order to film this episode is just mind-boggling. So once you finish the series, make sure to come back and check out this article. This episode brought me back to a time where everything was so up in the air. We were truly treading unexplored territory back in the beginning of quarantine. And of course, we had no idea when it would come to an end. I really appreciate the cast, crew, and writing team for putting this together. And honestly, I wish I had been able to experience it back when it first came out. I'm sure it would have been a truly, truly special experience. Not that it isn't a special experience now, but right in the beginning of quarantine, this one would have hit totally different. Season 2 of Mythic Quest debuts on Friday, May 7th. It is on Apple TV, and I know this is like the third movie or show I've recommended on Apple TV, but they're producing excellent television right now, which gives me the opportunity to plug Ted Lasso, of course. In my opinion, Apple TV has more than warranted being part of your current rotation. It's funny, my friend Kire, who has joined me on a few episodes of this before, mentioned that you know even though the series is titled Netflix and Phil, I don't know that I've ever recommended a Netflix-exclusive show. <laughs> I actually put the question out there on my social media pages. Are you guys still using Netflix as much lately? I know for me, once The Office and Parks and Rec left the platform, I hardly ever opened the app. I was surprised to see a lot of similar responses, actually. I don't watch The Witcher. I don't watch Cobra Kai. I don't watch Stranger Things. I know there's a lot of true crime documentaries, but I get my true crime fix from podcasts. There just doesn't seem to be a lot to offer anymore, to be honest. Anyway, that's a discussion for another day. If Mythic Quest is able to sustain the quality of season one, I can see it becoming one of my favorite shows ever. And I mean, look at the writer's room. There's no reason to believe that it's going to dip in quality anytime soon. When you have three people that have worked on a show like It's Always Sunny, which is on like its 15th or 16th season, then that's definitely a reason to feel confident about a show. There was a very familiar feeling after watching season one of Community. And of course, if you've been following the podcast or know me personally, Community is held in extremely high regard in my life. So that I, those are not words that I say lightly. But anyway, folks, those are just a few reasons why I feel like Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet is more than worth your time. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Again, as I mentioned, we have so much coming up here in the month of April. We recently just reviewed Godzilla vs. Kong. Later on this month, we'll be doing our monthly series, The Game Room Where It Happens, where myself and our friend Jordan, who actually designed our awesome logo, will be talking about the new co-op game, It Takes Two. We'll also be doing a Mortal Kombat review at the end of the month, of course, when that movie comes out. And this week's Tirades and Hot Takes episode, which is our newest series, we will be discussing Disney animated movies. So that is going to be one you certainly want to tune into. You can find those future episodes and our entire library pretty much anywhere you're listening to podcasts. Of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, and wherever else you can find your shows. If you are listening on your Apple device, one of the best ways you can support us is clicking on that purple icon, subscribing, and leaving us a five-star review. It's one of the best ways to get the show recognized, and we would really appreciate it. Shouts out to all of you that have already done that. You can also find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Wait For It Podcast and on Twitter at Wait For It Pod. We also have a brand new YouTube page, which you can find in the show notes as well. We have reviewed a couple movies on there, so make sure you check that out. Folks, thank you so much for joining me for this month's episode of Netflix and Phil. I hope you're doing safe. I hope you're doing well. We are so close to getting out of this thing. Continue to look out for yourselves, look out for each other, and I'll see you guys soon. Remember, we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, and all you have to do is wait for it. So, I heard you're looking for a go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it? Gaming? Wait for it? Anime? Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is... Wait for it. 
This is the Wait For It Podcast.